Welcome back to another conversation on podcast. We are talking today about what John. What did you just say? Just keep going. <laughs> what, what, how do we say? Welcome back to an conversation on John. <laughs> Welcome. Okay. Welcome to it. Welcome to a conversation on John. Today we're talking about the second part of. I can't do. I can't do intros. Sometimes I can do them. Sometimes I can't. All right, here we go. Welcome to a conversation on John chapter one. We're talking today about the introduction of John the Baptist and his relationship with Jesus. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another conversation on the book of John. This is our second week and we're, uh, John says, hey, here comes Jesus, the Lamb of God. Enjoy. Welcome back. I think we're ready today. Keep going. Keep going. We're here. I can't look at my notes while we're podcasting because I have to record. You have never looked at notes while we podcast. I always I look at notes while I podcast. I can't. Well, I can, but it, it has a higher chance of ruining the recording. Just like we did for like a month straight a couple months ago. <laughs> Ruin it? <laughs> yeah. I feel like, is there a podcast we haven't ruined? Oh, yeah, that's true. <sighs> what is our we could, have, we could have recorded the last 10 minutes where I just sat here and shook my head and you guys talked about frisbee golf discs. <laughs> no, disc golf. Frisbees. Frisbee golf discs. Yeah, that's dumb. Disc golf frisbee discs. See, this, a frisbee this is, is a, exactly what I'm talking about. A frisbee is what ultimate players use. I I understand the concept. I don't think you You can. could call us a frisbee snob and you'd be wrong because we're disc snobs. Disc. Very particular about my plastic. I will say... I, <laughs> you, that one's If you're in the room really and they start talking about good plastic, good plastic just, walk, yeah. just turn around and walk away. There There's is a, a difference between good and bad plastic. Oof, yeah. I want to throw any of that DX plastic. Uh, no, don't give me that DX. Don't give me any of that Pro D. <laughs> okay, we got to move on because that's, this is going to... I will me. say, real quick, I no, had a what, really... What are you, you going to say? I've got a super good idea that I want to share with you guys and whoever's listening. So, in the disc golf world, it's pretty popular yes. to Greg's go mom. on YouTube and post a video of yourself showing what's in your bag, what discs you're throwing, in the bag. why you pick them. They're called in the bag videos. So I'm gonna do my own in the bag video, except instead of discs, I'm just gonna get 10 random plates from the Salvation Army, like porcelain and glass and other things, and then just go throw them in a field. So you're gonna play an entire round. See what's really, uh, I should play an really entire round, that yeah. You're putting a bunch of effort to be really funny to the smallest audience <laughs> on YouTube. The it only, got 14 views! <laughs> the only smaller All audience watched. is the Juggling Association of America. Yeah. It's the same. Any of you jugglers, I apologize. My dad can juggle. Yeah? He learned for a missions trip to Romania. Hmm. Was he over 13 or under 13? Over. I, I remember it, and my dad didn't have me when he was 13, so. 16. <laughs> no, not my dad. <laughs> what are we in today? Book of John. We're still in John. We're in it. We've just started last week. We're going to be in this for... 2021? 7, 8, 9, 10 months. I don't know about 10 months. Probably 6 months. Could be. It normally gets to a point where we start getting sick of it, and then we start going faster. Yeah. Well, we—it's gonna help. 
Is that, that, is that we, a good way to well, go through the Bible? No, that's not a good way. <laughs> okay. But we are we are doing a break from it every month and doing a flip flop or yeah. something. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it won't be just grinding week after week. Nope. All right. So chapter one as a whole, it's it's pretty fascinating. It's really this declaration of John's thesis. He's writing this at the end of the book. Says what his objective is is to. He wants people to see that Jesus is the Messiah, and that there's life in the light and relationship with Him. And uh, chapter one, he this is very this would be shameful to intense theologians, but in essence, he's saying this: God is God is God is real. Jesus is God is distinct in God. That there is light life. In relationship with him, he is the, as the Messiah. That this week we talk about there's forgiveness of sins, and next week we talk about how there, there's this redeclaration of the covenant relationship, which is now going to be available to all through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then he jumps into narrative. It's pretty awesome how the Gospel of John is so late compared to the other ones. I didn't know that before we started studying, but. We talked a lot about and tried to figure out who did John write to, and it seems like everybody, and that really the purpose at the end of the letter, he states that anyone who would read would yeah, understand Jesus as the Messiah and find life in him, but that the beginning of this letter that was written so late is very, very straightforward right at the start. He paints this really broad picture of who God is, who Jesus is, and then jumps right into this narrative about John the Baptist and then... You know, next week we'll probably get into Jesus' miracle. It's just this really amazing <clears throat> progression to me. Uh, it's a pretty powerful statement for a guy who's 20 years past this point where he would have been with Jesus in person and still writing this very powerful letter. Yeah, he makes a really broad appeal, but it's becoming more and more clear as we dive deeper into this that you can't remove John's Jewishness from his writings. Like those things are really starting to become more and more apparent, especially in today's conversation. Yeah, and <clears throat> if John's goal was to share these dozen stories, he could have done written that in an afternoon. But how, as you study the like the, there are very very few lightly placed words in all of John. Yeah, it's it's written very intentional. It's written to have a top layer of just perception and down to deep layers of, of subtlety of poetry of illustration of repetition and we're not ever going to complain or claim that we uh, can get all the way down to its deepest intent but our goal is to not just give a whole bunch of answers hey get get what John is saying but rather to open the door to what is John asking us to to process to ponder because that's the way to his objective to see that Jesus have a relationship with Jesus. Um, and that can be kind of counterintuitive. I don't know if I want to say Christian world, but it can be it can be this for a lot of things. When you're trying to convince somebody of something, you try to give all the answers and answer all the questions. And then after you've answered mm-hmm. all the questions, go, do you have any questions? Good. We're good then. <laughs> yeah. Um, as opposed to going, um, here, here are here's 17 things that you need to think through. And I think if you think through these things, it's going to lead you towards Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that John tells these stories about Jesus' life 
And I think in modern day, we think if you need, if you want to know something, if you want to know something to be true, the goal is to get all the information. Hmm. And I think more ancient ways of thinking about things is like if you want to know, if you want to know about God, well, these stories reveal God's character. Yeah. Like we see that from Genesis on in the Old Testament. And I think those, that mentality continues on into the way John writes this gospel. Yeah, and John is, he shares longer form versions of stories. He doesn't share as many as, especially Matthew and Luke share like, you know, in one chapter there'll be five or six stories. John will have a story that'll be five or six pages. And, uh, um, but at the same time, John is, he is not tied to uh, the chronology. He's not, he, well, all the Gospels are really worked on a grouping of story, not necessarily chronological order of story. They're really focused on building a picture and having the reader ask a question or have a realization from hearing a grouping of stories or a grouping of parables. Yeah. And especially when you, uh, when you find in the other Gospels these grouping of parables, you go, wow, Jesus just had this moment where he just went wild on parables. Mm. And he probably was sharing them all the time. But uh, the groupings of them were probably parables that he shared dozens if not hundreds yeah. of times. It's interesting. I looked into this week. Why didn't why didn't Jesus write anything that we have in scripture today? Like he's the most impactful. Oh, I thought he was the one that figure. had the red pen. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he if was. you didn't get that that's yeah, you're, you're lucky. Uh, but you're just, lucky. There's so much <laughs> complexity not. to that. You know, this person Jesus comes and he doesn't say anything explicitly he doesn't write anything nothing ends up in scripture that he had written only what had been heard by others and that he he really used parables and how much of that was the complexity of you know wanting to make sure he wasn't just like handing answers over to the religious leaders but really kind of forcing people to engage in this process Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus literally embodied that he wasn't just there to give rote answers but hey come into this process with me and it's, it's, I think it's a clear picture of the character of God, too, is that God from creation just really, like, unfounded has this deep interesting of humanity from, from the beginning of the book. And if Jesus came and just did it all and didn't have the disciples and wasn't trusting them and wrote it all, that would be out of God's character. God's character is like, you guys got this. Mm. I'm here. I'm here to help. <clears throat> I, I'm yeah. I'm here to help. <laughs> mm. <laughs> more of more of I, I trust you. I'm I'm proud of you and uh, represent and and that's why uh, as we as John the Baptist is thrust into this picture is that I, Amber asked me this question earlier this week and. And I, I've been thinking about it too. It's, it's kind of profound that here in John chapter 1, it says, John says, here's this Jesus whom I've never met. I'm like, isn't this your relative? Yeah. Isn't this, didn't you leap in the womb? Yeah. Was that the only time that your families got together? You guys yeah. need to do more families. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but, the, but the thing that I think is, is profound, I, I, I don't fully understand that statement, but the thing that I do get that is profound in that is that it wasn't, John's declarations weren't coming from 
uh, like they had a whole bunch of these meetings like dude I'm gonna show up and I want you to yell this thing yeah we'll get the crowd going yeah. and uh, John had awareness of Jesus supernaturally or naturally yeah but then when when Jesus does show up he he's two things just scream out of him he's like it's Jesus it's not me hmm. He's the one that's all about it. It's not about me. And then the other is that this crazy declaration in 29 that he's, he is like the Passover lamb, but he is not. he's here for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. And I don't, he doesn't even say he's like the He says he, he is. is yeah, he is the lamb. lamb of God. Yeah, which put me into this spiral. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> and I, I guess I want to kind of just ask you guys some of the questions because I don't think I got to really talk through some of this with you guys. But, like, if you look at ancient history in general, uh, or ancient religions, I should say, including Judaism and uh, early Greek theology, like all of those, mm. why why was animal sacrifice such a big thing? Cool. Well, I watched the show Vikings a little bit. Oh, oh, it's such a good show. Oh, it's pretty good. There's a I mean, lot of I mean, the latest seasons sacrifice. are kind of like whatever. Yeah. It just really If you're looking like... for really poor reenactments. <laughs> the acting is incredible. It's pretty It's pretty almost. good. It's I, w- I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. But it's a lot of sacrifice. And it's, I mean, just really insightful that I think with my 2021 version of Christianity that... Christianity has always existed and Judaism has always existed as this really kind of like gentle experience and it's it's not that from early times on there's so many religions that they use sacrifice to make sure the gods were like giving them what they needed like oh we need rain for our crops we need to sacrifice to this god we need these people to die when we go fight them in war we're going to sacrifice to this god uh, we're going to give this even human sacrifice it's a crazy thing but it was so common in some people groups because they wanted the help of the gods and judaism uh i think it's a little different but it's a similar concept that sacrifice was given to god now the type of sacrifice and the reason for a sacrifice pretty different a lot of times very similar practice well i think like you i think we've let kind of the more for lack of a better term, pagan ideals of what sacrifice, the purpose of sacrifice bleed into modern Christianity. I feel like a lot of what you said, it really boils down to God doesn't really like me very much, mm. so I have to do something to get these gods to help me, to get what I need, to get them to like me. And I think we've, we've had, like, I know, growing up, I think there was like sacrifice was different. Obviously, we weren't sacrificing animals, but it was like that was still about, that's the same vernacular, just one step away from setting yeah. your dogs through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there is there's things you had to give up in order to hopefully get God to like you, and I find the contrast with the Passover sacrifice and that thoughts of of sacrifice actually really, really different. Um, when we think of like the story of Passover, Israelites trying to leave Egypt, uh, the Passover sacrifice was the lamb. They put the blood on the door so that the angel of God, angel of death, angel of God, whatever it was, would pass over and not kill the firstborns. It was the final plague. And that sacrifice had nothing to do with appeasing God or trying to make God like them. Yeah. It had everything to do with 
identifying who they were. Which, that is messy in my head, too. Because how... Um, what, what is my, or what is our parallel of being recognized by God? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I was know. waiting for you to answer that. No, I, I think it, that's the question, though. It's like, if... Because it, I, I, I this... it's kind of brutal if you think, oh, geez, God sacrificed himself so that I could have relationship with him. Like, he, God died this brutal death on the cross. Like, it's really... I think that's, like, more confusing. Yeah, I think, so I can give a little bit of, like, I can verbalize something out, but I don't know how I, well, I process it in, <laughs> is that that Jesus Jesus' sacrifice for us, God's perfection and his inability to connect with imperfection, and that sacrifice allows for God and his perfection to recognize that relationship with us. Okay. Well, yeah, and the Passover lamb was about God's provision and that that I think is actually the parallel to Jesus is that God is providing the provision out of slavery he's yeah. providing the provision yeah. out of oppression it's and then the, but the beauty of this that narrative and how it should be played out as we think about John as a greater letter too is that and we've already said it a couple of times the process of getting towards belief in Jesus being the Messiah, the process of getting towards life in the light and relationship with him. Just because that night of the original Passover happened didn't mean that they were free. Right. And it didn't mean they were in the promised land. In oh. fact... In fact, many of them thought it was worse. <laughs> yeah. The next day, they yeah. were... Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. Um, that doesn't... I think that is the, the... The beauty of the parallel doesn't end at just this sacrifice beauty of the parallel is the next 45 years yeah it's almost the 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 ask from god was to live out in response to that sacrifice to the from the passover lamb so that was provided so that they could be freed from oppression and the ask from god in response was okay follow these rules that i have set up so that you can have a relationship with me yeah and i think i think it's important to think backward too and that so even if you just think in the Moses's lifetime, so the there's there is this degree of affluence or gaining favor, and then the oppression of the oppressor, and so what? Who is Pharaoh? Who is Egypt in the parable of our modern life? Who's that oppressor? And then to see that um, the Moses process, Moses as an intermediary, somebody who is trusted. Um, took all the was took the delivering of the people into his own hands as he killed a slave driver forty years earlier and then failed and eventually comes back in the power of God and so I again I don't know, I can just ponder that stuff and think ah oh, it's really that's really cool but it's kind of like saying when somebody asks you you know how was your trip to the Grand Canyon it was really cool. I'm like that doesn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was neat. It was that was breathtaking. That was incredible. But what is I think what is amazing about it is that to to these people that John the Baptist was surrounded by when he recognized Jesus as the Passover lamb, he was making a Oof. huge statement about who the person of Jesus was. Yep. 
And that's the whole, that's the gospel narrative as a whole, but also specifically the gospel narrative of John is that there's this declaration in chapter one of this, here's the Lamb of God, and then the beauty and the, it's so deliberate that God, that Jesus would be crucified at the Passover and that his, again, his blood spilled on the Passover. And so that the, you know, ancient Jewish reader goes, ooh, wow. That's some timing. (laughs) (laughs) And I think a lot of that uh, can really easily be lost on me or people like me. Oh, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's why I got stuck in this rabbit hole of animal sacrifice and study about it. It was because I didn't really understand the significance of the Passover lamb. Yeah. Yeah. I like your questions toward the end, Scott. The how is sacrifice part of a healthy relationship? And then taking it a step further, how is sacrifice part of a healthy relationship with God? Because again, our perspective is ours in 2021, but Jewish people having their own historical perspective, thinking of Moses' time, but even thinking back to Abraham and Isaac and that whole story of Abraham almost sacrificing his son and the provision that God laid out as part of his character from that point on. A lamb. Yeah, a lamb to be, well, a ram in that one, but really just the kind of the sacrifice is part of relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's inevitable. I, I don't know if I don't know if we can that quickly have people like actually walk through that process. But if if Come as, on. as I verbalize how a sacrifice is part of a healthy relationship, and I, I am able just to see with relationship with other people, I just like put out the elements there. And if I can just like keep that pile and then go, how is sacrifice a part of a healthy relationship with God? And then bring that pile over as opposed to going, um, I, I don't, I don't, I'm supposed to go to church and give money. It's like, so mm. then I think if you bring the pile of things that you build from, that you understand of sacrifice and relationship with people, does sacrifice and relationship with God, it, it brings a fuller perspective. Mm. Uh, there are obedience factors to it, but relationship, sacrifice and relationship with people is not just obedience. Yeah, I would say even that with a two-way relationship, there's not a lot of moments where I require Joy to obey me. And like, there's like probably some really bad patriarchal viewpoints that would fight me on that. But like, Joy and I don't approach each other in relationship as like, all right, you need to obey me in this and I'm going to obey you in this. Because it's not about like usurping each other and having power over each other. If, if you see sacrifice in a relationship as whatever that is, 90% obedience, if that's the biggest part of what sacrifice is. Yeah. I, I don't do what I want to do, but I do what you want me to do. Yeah. Uh, if, I mean, you see how that's real, that would be really broken in a spousal relationship. Yeah. And not to say obedience isn't part, because no, it, it's clear. No, but obedience is possible without heart. Yeah. That's the thing that is crazy. Yeah. And yeah. so um, I think that, and I mean, it's a recurring theme found in Old, in old Testament. I, I don't, I don't, just desire obedience, hmm. and uh, that that I think that's got to just ring in us is that if we think about sacrifice to God, it's not like, well I don't do bad things. Well, God is again this the, the theme of the of Matthew that we looked at a few years ago. This theme that will come out again in John is that it is internal, not just external, and obedience can just be external. 
Yeah, I I tend to think about, I think a healthier way for me to think about it, and it may just be me, uh, is to think of it in terms of submission rather than obedience. Yeah. So it's submission for me implies aligning aligning my heart with the will of somebody or something else. And so, like, my relationship with my wife is at its healthiest when we are mutually submissive to one another, mm-hmm. when we are both willing. Because there are times in any relationship, especially with your spouse, there are times where I'm the leader and there's times where she's the leader. Mm-hmm. And identifying those is really helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I think those, those things are okay. Um, but we, to be submissive, to be willing to submit to one another, uh, is something that apparently we've lost in our world. I think, mm-hmm. um, it's like a moment of, of fully trusting in. Mm-hmm. And I think for me being, will, being willing to submit to God is a lot of times doing the things that I don't feel like I want to do or have to do. Uh, it is obedience, but I think it's much more than obedience. Yeah, I'm going to end with a brief, just processing for a moment, the story in Luke chapter 7, where a woman is weeping, washing Jesus' feet with her tears, using uh, a perf- expensive perfume to anoint him. To, and it, so it's an uncomfortable moment. But... It says very, very clearly in this moment is that the reason she was so broken is because she was known in the town as being a a bad lady. And uh, she knew it. And so she comes before Jesus and uh, it becomes like, what what did she realize? She, She didn't have leprosy. She didn't, her hearing was okay. Her arms and legs worked, I think. And, uh, but she comes very moved before Jesus and uh, because she, as a bad person, saw <laughs> that, I'm doing the quote signs, as a bad person, saw that there was forgiveness, there's potential for forgiveness in relationship with, with him. And the, the Pharisees that he was at their house just get so mad that who is, who, what in the world? He's one, he's letting this lady hang out with us. And two, now he's forgiving her sins. He, what, what right? Letting her spend all this money. That was a, well. That she may have earned doing not good things. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And Jesus tells a a very brief parable. You know, somebody has a small debt and a big debt. They're both forgiven because they can't pay it. Who's more thankful? The one with the big debt. He says, and I love it because in that parable, Jesus is asking his disciples, Hey, I just have a quick question for you. If somebody has a big debt, which one? And they go, oh, the one with the big debt? You've answered correctly. And like they didn't even understand what was happening. <laughs> and in this narrative, in this moment, in Luke, the only one who got it was, was Jesus and this lady. Mm-hmm. And, and so thinking about getting it, and that's where John is going. You know, what, what do I need to, in, what is my internal and external response to being introduced to someone sacrificing for a relationship with me? What is my internal response that Jesus is the sacrifice for me? And uh, here this lady was having a, a crazy internal and external response because she saw something that nobody else in the room did. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's where I want to go. And uh, we can walk with people 
there, but we can't force anybody to go there. And we can be told a lot about Jesus' forgiveness and be able to repeat a lot back. We've got to walk there ourselves. Yeah. People have to see it. Yeah. See you next week, guys. Sweet! Sweet.